I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform, and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it, and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which, from personal experience, I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often, so stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Hey there, and welcome back to Practical Stoicism. If you're here after yesterday's episode, congratulations. You have a significant tolerance for philosophical discussion, and I'm proud of you for that. It's hard to tolerate tough discussions sometimes for a great many people, probably for all of us if the topic is uncomfortable enough. So thank you for still being here. I did hear from some of you about yesterday's episode, and again, I was impressed by how everyone chose to voice either their agreement or their disagreement, and I love that stuff. I know that most of what I was talking about was Kai's argument, really. I was sharing that, and you'll hear more of that at the end of this upcoming Wednesday's episode. But still, to hear someone say and discuss those things is hard, and I appreciate that there were literally no overly emotional responses to that episode, which is killer. It means that all of you, as you listen, are adopting some of these Stoic values, especially about temperance and wisdom, and that's great. I love that. Before we move into today's meditation, which is the 10th from Book 4, I want to remind you, if you'd like to get rid of ads, you can do so by going to stoicismpod.com, and in the top right-hand corner of the website, you can sign up to become a premium listener, or you can click the link in the show notes and learn more about how to do that. It's just 6 bucks a month, it gets rid of all ads, and it gives you access to an AMA feature where you can reach out to me directly and get advice or make suggestions for upcoming episodes. It's a really good value, I think, and I hope if you want to support me that you'll do that. Anyway, here's today's meditation, again, the 10th from Book 4. It reads as follows. The nature of that which is universally useful has been compelled to do this. Meditations 8, 9, and 10 could perhaps be combined into a single meditation which would read like this. Take away thy opinion, and then there is taken away the complaint, and the harm is taken away as well. That which does not make a man worse than he was also does not make his life worse, nor does it harm him, either from within or without. The nature of that which is universally useful has been compelled to do this. So, the nature of that which is universally useful has been compelled to do these things. To first, understand that it is our opinion about external events that shape our view of the world and of ourselves. And second, that nothing which does not impact our ability to develop virtuous selves 
is neither good nor bad. Combine these statements and get, if it doesn't impact my virtue, it is simply a thing which exists and which has no real power over me, no ability to change me for the better or worse. I think that is an extremely powerful idea. Imagine that a flood has swept away your house and you've lost all your material possessions. This, in fact, if you've been listening long enough, you've heard this story before. This happened to me a couple of years ago. Did your house make you a more virtuous person? Of course not. How could it do that? It is a house. If it did not make you virtuous, how can it prevent you from becoming virtuous now that it is gone? Did you win the lottery? Have you suddenly obtained all the money you could ever desire? Can this money by itself make you virtuous? No. It could, of course, make it easier to perform virtuous and kind deeds in service to your community, but can a fat stack of cash, a Scrooge's money bin, just sitting there, make you more or less virtuous? No, of course not. How could it? It is just a stack of paper or coins. A flood is a dispreferred indifference, and money, if used well, perhaps, is a preferred indifference. But the point is that neither of these things can touch your virtue. You are, when you cultivate this manner of viewing external events, bulletproof. And speaking of bullets, have you been shot and died? Well, why would that matter? Death is certainly a dispreferred indifference, but does it change your moral character, such as it was, before your death? If it does not, how could death undo the past? What about a loss of a loved one? Your child perhaps has died from some terrible disease. They were still young and had their entire lives ahead of them. Can the loss of them make you less virtuous? No. Can it make you sad? Yes. Is that okay? Yes. One can mourn loss without becoming unvirtuous. Your mind, your heart and soul, metaphorically speaking, can, through the practice of Stoicism, become so bulletproof, so resilient, that nothing is capable of corrupting your moral character. What does a corrupted moral character look like, exactly? Well, let's imagine that in response to the death of your child, you kill the doctor that failed to save her life in the operating room. Let's say it follows a horrific accident. That is an action that people in the past have taken, an action they've chosen, and thereby, through that choice, have corrupted their moral character. And what if your house flooded? You could become jaded, Angry that you had to start all over, so you throw your hands up in the air and decide you don't want to start from zero. Instead, you leave your family, they're better off without you, you think. You walk away from society, you live by yourself, like a hermit in the woods while your spouse and children suffer and struggle to fill the gap you created when you left. This is an action that people have taken after the loss of a home or job, or some other great loss in their lives, and in so taking it, chose to adopt a morally weak character. And it was easy for them to do because they never learned how to be virtuous. The takeaway from this three meditations long lesson is simple. It is impossible for your spirit, your zest for life, your gratitude, your virtue, your soul, whatever you want to call it, to be robbed by anything or anyone. You only lose it if you give it away. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Practical Stoicism. If you'd like to get rid of ads, get straight to the content, and support this show, you can do so by going to stoicismpod.com and clicking the big orange button in the top right corner of the site. Another way to support the show is to review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or podchaser.com. Whether you choose to support financially or through a review, I appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode, and until next time, take care. Thank you.